you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey there, everybody. It is Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where the force will be with you always. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. We got Randy at the controls. And I guess first and foremost, Florio, happy Star Wars Day. I don't know how many people are seeing our videos of this, but uh, we are both decked out in Star Wars gear for May 4th. So uh, happy Star Wars Day to all who observe. Yeah, ha- happy Star Wars Day. Are you going to be watching any any of the movies or anything today? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I know uh, Patrick Claibon has started uh, this morning a rewatch of the prequels um, because he is on a personal mission to let everyone know that the prequels are not as bad as maybe you think they are. Um, so he actually texted a bunch of us this morning with the uh, the opening shot of the Phantom Menace. So uh, I know what he's doing today. <laughs> do, you, do you think I know this is a football podcast, but I've seen two of the last, last three star wars movies that have come out and they're all right and i heard the third one i still have to watch it i heard it's not great but do you think the the three newer ones not being up to the level of the original three helped the three prequels i think it does i do i definitely think it does although i will say this i went back and i watched the prequels 
um, sort of on my own. I, I, I was motivated after watching uh, all of Clone Wars to go back and watch the prequels. And I've made peace with them. Um, Phantom, Phantom Menace episode one is, is not bad if you watch it in the lens of being a kid's film. If you think about it, it's like it's a, it's a film made for kids. And you're like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. Uh, episode two stinks. There's just no way around that. It stinks. I, I, that's the one that lost me. Uh, but I will say that the, the dogfight scene at the beginning of episode two might be the best dogfight in the entire franchise. So at least it has that going for him. But overall, the movie stinks. Uh, and episode three is legitimately good. Revenge of the Sith is an actually good movie. So I went through and I've made peace with the prequels. Uh, I'm okay with them. I haven't watched any of the sequels a second time. I saw them all once in the theater and I haven't I haven't had the, the heart to go through and watch them again. One day. I, I, I have to. Me and Nicolette. We're doing a little Star Wars binge before we started doing Marvel. And mm -hmm. uh, we watched the original three. And then we watched half of episode one. And she started to fall asleep. And we were like, yeah, we'll pick it up one day. And we never did. So I guess <laughs> that that tells my biggest beef with it, though, is I, I, I was a kid when it came out. And I thought Darth Maul was awesome. He is. And I wanted more of him. Um, well, good news is he, he did survive. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, if you watch Clone Wars. Uh, which you should, which is an excellent series. Uh, he does he does make an appearance in there, so you know that's something to just keep in mind if you ever go back and finish it. Uh, so there it is. Do. Um, otherwise, we got a lot to talk about. I don't know if you heard, but the NFL picked teams last week. Uh, they were in Las Vegas. I was there for uh, about a day and a half of it. Um, football Coachella, which I'm trying to make a thing, by the way, because uh, <laughs> that's that's sort of the best way to describe it. I mean, it's people in brightly colored jerseys and costumes, and it's like a festival for a few days. I mean, you've got music and booths and food. And obviously, then, you know, every 15 minutes or so, Roger Goodell comes out and reads a name and people go berserk. Um, it the is Blue Man of, Group. The Blue Man Group. Right. Ice Cube <laughs> showed up there. Right. The Weezer did a set. Uh, I mean, it, it was a whole thing. Chris Angel got himself out of a straight jacket hanging like, you know, a hundred feet above the air, uh, above the stage. Um, so it, it, it was a good time. Football Coachella for sure. I was able to talk to some fans uh, one day. If I actually, you know, get my stuff together and actually go through and listen to the interviews, I'll try to put some of that together. Uh, ask folks their, their thoughts on who should be the first pick, uh, you know, about their regular individual teams and some fantasy stuff as well. So uh, hopefully one day we'll, we'll actually get organized enough to actually get that uh, involved on the pod. But on the show today, we will talk about uh, some of the picks, uh, some of what we expect from some of these rookies this year, and you know some of the guys maybe who are veterans who uh, might have been winners or losers based on what happened from this draft weekend. But uh, a couple of things first to get to. Uh, first of all, a big piece of news that uh, was announced this morning. The NFL announced its international games for 2022. Uh, as always, uh, we will have games in London, three of them this year uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a pair of them there, one on October 2nd. That'll be the Vikings and the Saints. Uh, one the following week on October 9th will be the Giants and the Packers. And then on October 30th, at Wembley, it'll be the Broncos and the Jaguars making their annual trip over to London. So the Jags uh, kind of continuing to build that London fan base as they have been for years. But a couple games outside of London as well. Mexico City, uh, the league will return to Stadio Azteca. Uh, that's on November 21st. The Cardinals or the, the 49ers and the Cardinals, uh, that one in late November. But the big one, uh, kind of the new one, 
in Munich at Allianz Arena. That's November 13th. Uh, that will be the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. So Tom Brady. So the folks in Germany get to see Tom Brady. Uh, you and I were talking, Florio, before we started recording. We had the chance to talk to Jakob Johnson, uh, the former Bucks or uh, pa- Patriots fullback, I should say, who uh, was released um, not that long ago. But uh, he is German. I mean, he was born, raised in Germany, came over to the States, is playing in the NFL. We feel like one of these teams, whether the Seahawks or the Bucks, they've got to sign this guy so he can go back and he can play NFL football in Germany. It only feels right. Yeah, he's a fullback here. We we spoke with him at Radio Row, and I mean, no no disrespect to fullbacks, they're not the most well known players on on the football team. But he said in Germany, like he can't go out without getting recognized anymore. Like he's <laughs> that big of a celebrity. So he's already played with Tom Brady. He's caught a pass from the goat. I mean, there's a natural connection there. Let's get him on the Bucks at least for that game, and. The people of Germany should be very happy that Tom Brady came back because if not, that could have been like Drew Locke versus like Kyle Trask. But instead, they get the GOAT. So you got to love that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking. uh, Jakob Johnson actually currently is on the Raiders roster. But I feel like we should be able to engineer a swap at least for one week where like – you know, like some sort of exchange program where, where he goes to see, look, let's send him to Seattle. Pete Carroll likes to run the football. Why not give him a fullback <laughs> for a week uh, that he can play around with? But I, I feel like Jakob Johnson uh, should be granted a chance to go uh, and play football in Germany. But uh, so there it is. Those are the international games for 2022. Um, if anybody in uh, the, the NFL media hierarchy is listening, uh, Florio and I would love to go to one of these games or all. We're, we're all, and I'll just settle for one. And like, I'm not going to be particular. Wh- whichever one you want to send us to, I am down for it. London, Munich, Mexico City, don't care. Uh, we just would love to go to one of these games. <laughs> would be a good time. It'll be a great time. Absolutely. I've been to I've been to London. Have not been to Munich or Mexico City. Would love to see Same. them. So, so, uh, so there. Uh, all right. Actual news that relates to uh, fantasy. Uh, and kind of what happens on the field. And this was kind of a big one uh, from a couple of days ago. The NFL announced uh, that DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended for six games for violating the uh, performance-enhancing drug policy. Uh, he m- released a statement saying that uh, he has never intentionally taken anything, that he's very conscientious about what he puts in his body, uh, but he is going to be out for the first six games of the season. He can practice with the team. He can be in training camp. But uh, when week one starts, he will be sitting on the sidelines. Um, first thing is for him, uh, how far should this knock his ADP down? If at all, maybe he stays the same, but but should this knock him down? And if so, how far? I think it definitely should knock him down. I mean, we're talking about close to half the season that he is not going to be out there now. And originally in like early best ball drafts, he was going as like a wide receiver too, like, like, top like 15 16 wide receiver but i kept thinking like hey this guy if he stays healthy he's going to be a wide receiver one so i i saw a lot of value in d hop uh now i think it certainly knocks him down i'm trying to figure out just how far like i don't think i could put him in the top 20 wide receivers but i feel like you know like putting him outside the top 30 is too low so somewhere for me it's going to be like a low-end wide receiver two maybe a high-end wide receiver three because I still think after that six game suspension in the other, uh, what are you going to get now? Nine games out of him. You're, you're going to get wide receiver one production, I think. So I, I wouldn't knock him down too far. 
So, you know, last year was sort of a down year for him. He he played 10 games, was was injured late in the season, um, didn't even have 600 receiving yards, uh, which was you know, even in a down year. That's that's shockingly low for DeAndre Hopkins. Did have eight touchdowns, which sort of salvaged a, a little bit of that. But let's say he gets back closer to what his his career average has been, you know, closer to about 80 yards per game. That still gets you to about 880 yards if he can still get you in the neighborhood of you know, six to eight touchdowns. I mean, that that still gives you, I think, some solid kind of wide receiver two type value. So maybe you are talking about drafting him somewhere, maybe outside the top 20, but I still think he's, you know, he's going to be a guy that that is going to end up being a value for somebody just because when he is there and back on the field, we know that the, the Cardinals are going to lean on him heavily. Um we will we'll talk about the Marquise Brown deal in just a little bit because that I think is going to have some impact too on how the Cardinals offense goes. But pivoting this now to Kyler Murray, we saw that offense just not look remotely the same once Nuke Hopkins was gone last year with injury. And, and you saw uh, Kyler's production take a big dive when he didn't have Hopkins on the field. How worried about about Kyler should we be? I mean, this is a guy that we're talking about drafting as a top three or four quarterback, but if he doesn't have Nuke Hopkins for the first six weeks, um, you know, how concerned should we be about his production? I definitely think we have to be at least somewhat concerned. I, I will say them having Marquise Brown is an upgrade because he's a better second wide receiver and than anyone they had last year, and he's operated before as a team's wide receiver one so I, I don't worry as much I think as last year but you look at it like you said with and without D hop he was averaging 26 fantasy points per game with D hop 21 per game without that's a five point per game drop that's big like his touchdowns were almost cut in half he was throwing like 25 less yards per game as well and we always know that the, the thing with Kyler is it comes down to see gonna run or not but I've had Kyler as my QB four behind what I think is the big three in Allen Mahomes and Herbert but I think now this pushes him more into everyone else in that tier. Like if you're debating between Kyler and Lamar already, maybe this is enough for you to now push Lamar over him or, or Joe Burrow over him. So I still have him in that secondary tier. I still think Kyler Murray has the QB one upside, but it's obviously a lot harder. And I think his floor is lowered a bit without DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I do think again, he sort of becomes, I don't know if he's a value, but he he comes down a little bit where you're not reaching for him. Whereas I think I think if he went into the season with a full complement of receivers, you're talking about having to reach, say, I don't know, fourth round, something like that to get Kyler Murray. I think now you are able to maybe wait a couple of rounds, still have him on the board. So in the places where, you know, say last year I was drafting a guy like, say, a Dak Prescott, um, kind of feeling that mid-round, I think now you're going to see Kyler sort of land uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in that area as well. So, you know, understanding that um, I don't want to say you have to survive the first six weeks, right? Because if he's still giving you 21, 22 points per game, that's not bad. I mean, we, we praise Jalen Hurts for giving you 20 points no matter what. So if you're getting that out of Kyler, I think that's okay. Um, but, you know, if you can kind of abide that for the first month and a half, and then once Newt comes back, hopefully things really take off. Uh, then you really might be onto something at that point. Um, so that feels like a good way to transition into the draft itself and a lot of the things that happened uh, in Las Vegas over the past weekend. Uh, and a big part of it was the trades. I mean, we saw a lot of teams trading picks, moving up and down, 
the Ravens ending up with what is it the six picks in the fourth round, which seems absolutely insane that they dominated basically like 20% of the fourth round. Uh, it, it, that's just crazy. One of the big deals, though, was in the first round, the Ravens sending Marquise Brown to Arizona for a first round draft pick. Uh, there was a whole lot of maneuvering that happened and actually your Buffalo Bills ended up sort of getting in on that because the 23rd pick, which had gone to, uh, Baltimore ends up going to Buffalo. They get a, it's a whole thing. Anyway, the <laughs> point being Marquise Brown now lives in Arizona, which means that all the jokes about Van Eyes Brown, maybe they become, you know, he becomes like Scottsdale Brown or Mesa Brown or, you know, whatever Chandler Brown, who knows? Uh, but for fantasy, is this a fit? Does Marquise Brown fit in this Arizona offense? And and how willing are you, how high are you willing to take a shot at him in drafts? Uh, first, I'm always impressed that you know so many cities in, in every state. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's very impressive. Um, I, I think this is a clear fit for Arizona. Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown played college ball together at Oklahoma. Um, he led that team in, in catches and yards and was second behind only CD lamb in touchdowns. My God, that was such a fun Oklahoma team that year. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's a natural, like they have chemistry there. Apparently this had been in the works. Like, this has been a done deal for a while already. And we just didn't find out about it because both sides wanted to keep it under wraps. Like Marquise Brown was at the Cardinals draft party. So clearly this had been a done <laughs> deal uh, before Thursday, but I, I before the D hop suspension, I I was thinking that Marquise Brown would be kind of similar to what he was in Baltimore, like a boomer bust wide receiver, uh, who I thought I would like more as my third wide receiver. You know, somewhere in like the closer to wide receiver thirty off the board, maybe. Um, but I he maybe got pull, would get pulled up to be a wide receiver too. Now with D hop out for the first six games, I'm thinking Marquise Brown easily is a wide receiver too, and um. It's funny, on draft night, I made a poll. Who would you draft first, Rashad Bateman or Marquise Brown? And Bateman ran away with like 65% of the <laughs> votes. And then I made that poll two days later when DeAndre Hopkins got suspended and Marquise Brown ran away with like 65% of the vote. So right now, I think I'm on the side of Marquise Brown. But which one would you take first, Marcus Brown or, or Rashad Bateman? I mean, I would probably take Brown first because we know we're not going to have Nuke for the first six weeks. And in terms of passing ability, I I would tend to lean Kyler over Lamar. Um, I mean, and this isn't a knock on Lamar. He's a great quarterback. And certainly for fantasy, we love him. But he's going to run more than Kyler will. We, we've seen that the last couple of years. In terms of, of distributing the ball as a passer, I think I have a little more faith in Kyler Murray. But... I think it's funny you running that poll twice sort of highlights what we kind of already know <laughs> is how much uh, fantasy opinion you know, changes with the wind and and what <laughs> and every little piece of information that we get out there. And, and not to say that this isn't a significant piece of information, but the fact that, you know, one day it can be swung so far in favor of Rashad Bateman. And a couple of days later, one thing changes and it swings completely the other direction uh, in favor of Marquise Brown is kind of funny. Also, if Marquise Brown was at the Cardinals draft party, and this was in the works for, for a while, how is it that Lamar Jackson seems so caught off guard by it? Uh, I mean, him tweeting like WTF and, and just seeming super shocked uh, when it did seem like this has been building. I mean, Brown saying he wanted out. 
uh, the Ravens basically granting his wish. So it seems like, uh, you know, somebody didn't keep the franchise quarterback in the loop of what was what was happening. And I heard Marquise Brown said that, like, he was like, I speak with Lamar at the end of every season. And he was like, this, I, I told him, like, this just isn't a system that that works for me. And I get it. It's a system where you have to block a lot and it's not a normal system for receivers. But yeah, like I saw people speculating, like maybe he was upset that they didn't draft a wide receiver in the first round. It's like, no, no, like. Clearly, Lamar felt out of the loop there, in my opinion. And if, if that's the case, then then you probably have bigger problems right now than uh, than who's your wide receiver one. Right. That just that that kind of blew me away. Like in, in the moment when I saw the tweets, I was like, oh, wow, I guess uh, this this really came out of nowhere. And then you learn more information afterwards. And you're like, wait, this this seems weird that somehow they didn't tell Lamar that they were going to you know move their at least the guy who on paper was their wide receiver one. Uh, that seems strange, but yeah, I think, I think right now I want, I want Brown certainly over Rashad Bateman at this moment. Um, does this mean that Rondale Moore has to wait another year to become a thing? I mean, you know, nukes coming back. Hollywood Brown is there. Call him Hollywood for now. Uh, you know, AJ green reups for another year. Uh, it just feels like this is another year sort of delayed on the potential development of Rondale Moore. Yeah, there's just not enough targets to go around, right? Like maybe early on in the year now with no D-Hop, he can carve out a role as like the slot guy. But when D-Hop returns, if everyone is healthy, you're going to have Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz there as well. That, that's three big target guys. So, And then you have A.J. Green and, and Moore competing for snaps and targets. Maybe Moore can run away with it so much early on that like you can't take him off the field even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But uh them getting Marquise Brown was definitely a big blow to Moore's value. Um, I got to go also back to Baltimore, right? Because obviously Rashad Bateman, in theory, gets a big share uh, of the targets there. I mean, is it basically just come down to him and Mark Andrews? Is that it when we, we talk about Baltimore pass catchers now? Yeah, I I, I think it's them two. And uh, they, they brought in, an, oh, Tyler Batty. Like maybe him and like Dobbins could – could be see some targets out of the backfield but yeah for fantasy like i'm not gonna tell anyone to get excited for like devin duvernay like (laughs) it's bateman it's mark andrews or it's stay away i would say never say never because i have the feeling we'll get to like week 14 and we're looking for sleepers and it'll be like hey devin duvernay give him a shot because you know yeah I, i could see that that sort of thing happens every single year um so that was one of them the other big trade that went down in the first round that that certainly shocked everybody uh the eagles nab aj brown from the tennessee titans the titans then turn around with the number 18 pick and they draft Traylon burks the wide receiver out of arkansas but i mean really the big news here is aj brown who you know at one point it looked like maybe he was going to be traded then it looked like the titans were, were willing to hang on to him and try to you know keep him happy and, and make things work then all of a sudden uh, he ends up in Philadelphia. So going from Ryan Tannehill to Jalen Hurts, does A.J. Brown make a significant move in your rankings one way or another? Uh, yes, but not the way I think people might anticipate. Oh. Like I, I'm dropping A.J. Brown in my wow. rankings. I, I had him as a wide receiver one uh, before the draft, but he literally went from the only team like the Titans throw the second fewest in the NFL last year. The only team that threw fewer than them was the Eagles. So <laughs> he landed on a team that doesn't throw the ball a whole bunch, but then they have more target competition than the Titans do. Like 
The Titans had basically Brown. It was Robert Woods, and that was it. Now you have Devonta Smith, who is going to see a good amount of targets. I mean, he's a player the Eagles are very invested in long term. Uh, you're going to see Dallas Goddard getting volume there. There's going to be the running back. So I, I think that A.J. Brown is still going to be a very useful fantasy piece, but I don't think he's going to get a 30% target share like he had last season. So because of that, uh, I've lowered him a bit. I, I, I like him more, I would say, as a wide receiver too, closer to like, like I think he's kind of borderline top 20. I haven't updated it yet, but I, I think that's where he's going to kind of settle in. And I'm saying the same, like I've lowered – I'm going to lower Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard as well because I just don't think there's enough volume to go around to make all of them better than they were pre this trade. I think that's that's my concern is, you know, can they sustain that many pass catchers at a high level? And I'm not sure they can. I have kind of kept Brown a, a static. I haven't moved him one way or another. I, I definitely don't think you know, that he necessarily gets a huge boost. I don't think he necessarily falls off either, though, because I think I think he's in a situation where uh, they're going to ask Jalen Hurts to get him the football in space. And one of the things he does so well is run after the catch. Uh, I have said before that he reminds me kind of of a young Anquan Bolden in the sense that he gets the ball and he just will bully defenders. I mean, we have seen him carry multiple defenders down the field with him, into the end zone with him. Um, so I think I think that kind of makes him an interesting fit in Philadelphia as a guy who can just kind of get open, you know, in, in underneath intermediate routes uh, and just kind of let him work with the football in his hand. So I think, you know, in that respect, you know, I, I think what we're going to see from him in Philly will be a lot similar to what we saw from him in Tennessee. But I think your your point is valid that, yeah, he's got to share. Uh, targets now it's something that he hasn't had to do in a little bit because you know last year Julio Jones really was invisible for much of the year wasn't on the field for a good chunk of the year um, you know even this year had he stayed he was going to be the alpha as much as I love Robert Woods uh, you know Woods isn't going to come in there and suddenly take over and be the alpha in that passing game so uh, he is going to have to share with Devontae Smith with uh, with Dallas Goddard I think you know you talk about Rondale Moore being pushed to the background. Jalen Rager uh, is being pushed to the background. JJ Arthago Whiteside has what? I think he. I think he. I think he's becoming a tight end now. Um, <laughs> he's trying, right? Because <laughs> because it's not working out as a wide receiver. So you know, Brown comes in and, and obviously is going to command a, a lot of attention. So if he moves down, uh, what happens to Jalen Hurts in your rankings? I, I'm moving Jalen Hurts up. This is one of those offenses, Marcus, where I don't necessarily feel great about any individual piece, but I feel tremendous about the guy throwing them the ball because <laughs> I, I can't tell you because I'm thinking even if they start throwing the ball more, they're not suddenly going to be like the Chiefs or Bills or one of these teams that like abandon the run. So the, the passing numbers are still going to be somewhat uh that like for the receivers, it's there's less margin for error when you're getting less volume. But when you're Jalen Hurts, and now all of a sudden you could, like you said, you could dump it off to AJ Brown and he could pick up a bunch of yards in, in space, that is only gonna help Jalen Hurts' passing numbers. And then the fact that uh AJ Brown is gonna demand so much defensive attention near the line of scrimmage. Typically, I like receivers that help open things up downfield. But I think with Jalen Hurts, he struggled on the deep ball last year, and it was easy to throw multiple defenders on a Devonta Smith. Now you're not really going to be able to do that. And now you're going to get Jalen Rager on the other side getting uh, some one-on-ones downfield as well. So 
I, I think Jalen Hurts is a big winner here. And I think people forget how good he was last year. Like we, we saw him get destroyed in the playoffs. And, and I know that left a, a bad feeling in a lot of people's mouths. But before he hurt his ankle late in the season, he was a top five quarterback averaging over 25 fantasy points per game. And he finishes the QB six on the year. I think he has the potential I'm not saying it's not like in the most likely scenario, but I think in one of his range of outcomes is finishing as the top scoring fantasy quarterback this year. And I think he deserves to go in the tier with like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. If you want to put like Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow in that tier as well. I think that is where Jalen Hurts belongs. The, the Jalen Hurts hype was real. Uh, as soon as that trade was announced, I mean, you know, fantasy Twitter uh, kind of took off. I appreciate you willing to be a little more uh, cautious with it because I mean I think I, I saw people just literally planting the flag that like Jalen Hurts is the QB one book it no questions asked I'm not quite there yet but I do see it you know uh, in the extreme range of outcomes is potentially there um, I think any any chance you if you know if you were somehow hoping to get a draft discount on Jalen Hurts I think you can kiss that goodbye now because I don't I don't think that's gonna happen because again it only takes one person in your league to love him. Uh, and draft him early, and then that opportunity is gone. And I, I think that's going to happen now. I, I think, I think what makes it hard to sort of evaluate Jalen Hurts is last year he felt like one of those guys who was really good for fantasy, but we weren't sure if he was an actually good quarterback. Um, you know, there there were times. I, I don't know if we still know. I don't think we know, right? I still don't think we know. Like, I think he's a good fantasy quarterback. Like all those times, you know, we we would constantly joke that no matter what, he was going to get you twenty points. That he would go, he might go in the fourth quarter with like eight, and he would get you twenty points one way or another. Um, but you know, when you actually watch him, you're like, yeah, there there are definitely a lot of things that can get better about Jalen Hurts. But one of the things that that you can't use as an excuse anymore is that he doesn't have weapons because he's got weapons now. Um, and we know he can run. And while I love him for redraft, like in Dynasty, I don't know what to think of him beyond this year because I think the Eagles are doing it smart. They're giving him weapons, like you said. No excuse now. But if he doesn't take that next step, the Eagles have multiple first-round picks again next year and can easily get themselves a quarterback. That is sort of the thing that makes him hard to evaluate beyond a year-to-year proposition, right? Is because the Eagles haven't given us any any indication that they are willing to commit to him long term and if you're talking about dynasty dynasty quarterbacks you want to know that that guy is going to be entrenched as the quarterback i mean you know if you're talking dynasty quarterbacks right you you know josh allen's going to be in buffalo you know as long as he wants to be there you know that joe burrow's probably going to be in cincinnati for a really long time uh jalen hurts is I mean, he's he's renting month to month, right? He's like, you know, like the lease is up and he's going month to month and you really just don't know how much longer he's going to be there. And that's what it makes it hard. Um, over to Tennessee, though. Mentioned Robert Woods. You know, he goes there uh, after leaving the Rams. They draft Traylon Burks, who I felt like Burks's stock was sort of dropping the closer we got to the draft. People loved him early. Uh, you know, I joked about the story of him boar hunting with a knife and a dog and, and everybody's like, oh, my God, I got to have this guy on my team. You know, and then it kind of you know, people started to look deeper and like, OK, well, route running is not really great. And you look at what he did at Arkansas and a lot of the way they got him the football was sort of bubble screens, short passes and just kind of letting him work. And I think that sort of made people a little bit worried. Um, 
this is an offense that's still Derrick Henry centered. Which of the Titans receivers would you prefer and, and kind of where would you think about taking him? I, I like Traylon Burks more. I'm cool taking him as like a wide receiver three, maybe in like the seventh, eighth round, something like that. Um, I, I think this was the I, I was one of those people, Marcus, that was souring on him a bit. I was like his touches were manufactured. He I don't know if he's going to fall into a spot that'll give him that opportunity. And I think he fell into the absolute perfect landing spot because they had a very similar player in A.J. Brown, like Daniel Jeremiah's player comp for Burks was A.J. Brown. And I remember saying, like, during the draft process, like, I could see why everyone comps him to A.J. Brown. To me, he was, like, a smaller, not as athletic version of A.J. Brown. <laughs> right. So maybe we get 75% of the production that we had been getting out of Brown. That'll still do. And the reason I'm taking him over Robert Woods is because not only do I think he can uh, settle in into that A.J. Brown role, but he's going to be healthy and working out with Ryan Tannehill all summer long, whereas... Robert Woods is still rehabbing from a, a torn ACL at 30 years old. So to me, I, I, I don't want to write off Bobby Trees. I'm not doing that. But it wouldn't surprise me if his best football is behind him already and he now plays that complementary role to Traylon Burks, who is the team's number one. I, I liked Robert Woods when I felt like he was going to be a compliment to A.J. Brown. Um, you know, when, when he was sort of the number two there, I felt like that was a good spot for him to be in. Um, you know, I, I wonder how much they're going to ask of him early in the season, uh, you know, depending on how quickly Burks can get acclimated and kind of get up to speed. I just wonder how much they're going to ask of Robert Woods. And as you mentioned, I mean, a guy who's 30 years old coming off a knee injury, um, you know, if he's ready for that. So I, I can't say that I'm super excited about either one of these guys. I think I'm, you know, I, I don't know that I would take a shot on either of them before, say, like the seventh round or something like that. But uh, maybe Burks is probably the guy to lead with there. And I, I think you're right. And you're not the only person I've heard say this, that he is he is sort of a less athletic A.J. Brown with not quite as good hands, which is not a way to get me excited <laughs> about the guy. Um, okay, so now that we have poo-pooed their, their pass core, <laughs> uh, pass catching core, uh, does that mean Ryan Tannehill still a draftable fantasy asset? Only if you're desperate. Like, I, I think he's more of like a, a low-end QB too. Like, for me, if I'm taking a second quarterback, I want I want to take someone with upside. And I just, I don't feel like Ryan Tannehill really brings much upside, especially now that he has Malik Willis breathing down his neck potentially. Like, I, I'll go with young upside quarterbacks like Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Tua. And this one might be gross to say, Marcus, but I'm warming up to the idea of Zach Wilson being a young upside quarterback as well. <laughs> so I would take all those guys over Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, I think Wilson's an interesting name. Um, and that's one I, I don't think we'll get into it on this show, but I certainly before the summer's out, I'm sure we will discuss Zach Wilson. Uh, this feels like a very big. It's not a full on prove it year for Zach Wilson, but I definitely think everybody wants to see improvement from what we saw last year. Uh, especially because they they've given him help. Uh, everybody loved the Jets draft. Uh, we'll talk about you know we'll certainly talk about uh, Drake London, some of those guys. But uh, this is or uh, Garrett Wilson, I should say. I think I had Drake London stuck in my head. I think I expected him to go to the Jets. So Garrett Wilson, Same. Garrett Wilson is the guy that they they added there in New York. Um, so we'll we'll kind of get into that too a little bit as well. Uh, by the way, uh, where do you come down on the you know on Ryan Tannehill saying? Uh, he doesn't feel like he needs to mentor Malik Willis. I mean, I think I feel like 
smart, reasonable people have kind of come down on both sides of this conversation. Do you have a, a particular opinion on it? I, I totally get where Ryan Tannehill is coming from because I wouldn't feel great being like, hey, you brought this guy in so you basically could fire me. I'll get him ready <laughs> even quicker. I, I completely get where he's coming from. But what it tells me is that he's concerned about Malik Willis because you don't you wouldn't say that if you had nothing to be fearful of, in my opinion. Like Joe Flacco's the original one of starting this, and uh we saw how that worked out for him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, Tannehill's right in that he's under no obligation to be a mentor to Malik Willis. It would be a nice thing to do, <laughs> um, but he is not obligated to do it. So I certainly understand kind of where he's coming from. And you're right. I think it does signal that uh, he's a little bit worried. He's looking over his shoulder. Uh, he's looking over his shoulder, for, you know, for his job and, and the young guy who may be coming to take it. Uh, in the very near future. Uh, all right. I right, can take a break. We'll come back. We will dive into some of the different positions, uh, get some thoughts on you know who we think is going to be a success right away and who maybe might have to wait a little bit. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's take a look at some of the positions. Look, I, I, I broke this down into quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Uh, like I say before, uh, not to say that some of these tight ends can't blossom into anything, but, uh, you know, generally speaking, we're going to have to wait. Uh, there are no Kyle Pitts in this draft. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, we, we took a long break, right? We had Kenny Pickett drafted in the first round. And then we waited a long time before we had another quarterback come off the board. Uh, so of all the guys, I mean, with Pickett going, with uh, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, all these guys, who do you think landed in the best spot to have immediate fantasy success? I think it's easily Kenny Pickett. Like, he's the only one drafted that the team is going to feel any need to, like, we need to get something out of this guy. The All the other ones were like third round picks or later. So if they don't work out, you could just easily move on and draft another one. But Kenny Pickett, I, I think he's going to be their week one starter. Um, I don't think you use the 20th pick on the most NFL ready quarterback, the hometown hero kid, and you're not going to play him. And even if he sits, I don't think it'll be long for all because Trubisky would have to be so much better than the kid at that point to, to get him in. Plus, I mean, there's good pieces around them in Pittsburgh, probably the best weapons of any of the teams that drafted a quarterback with you have a proven RB one, a proven wide receiver one, a young up and coming tight end. 
and then really strong secondary wide receivers in Claypool and Pickens and, and Calvin Austin now. So I I easily think uh, Kenny Pickett had the best landing spot of the quarterbacks. I, that was, I think a lot of what we were hoping for, wishing for, was Malik Willis to go to Pittsburgh to take that upside that he has and take that athleticism and pair it with all those weapons you talked about because you're right of all the teams that needed a quarterback Pittsburgh felt like the most ready-made situation um you know look I know the story is great you got a guy who played at Pitt now he's staying in the city and he's playing for the Steelers it's certainly a great story um and he does feel like he is uh set up for success right just get the ball to Deontay Johnson take some shots down the full field to chase Claypool uh in a pinch if things go bad you can dump it off to Najee Harris we saw a lot of that last year from Ben Roethlisberger so it does feel like he's in a situation where he can come in uh and and maybe be the the most productive fantasy quarterback uh as a rookie um you mentioned you know some of the other guys Desmond Ritter Matt Corral uh, you know, you've got Ritter who went in the third round to the Falcons. I mean, he was the second quarterback off the board. Again, it took nearly two full rounds before that to happen. Uh, Matt Corral goes late in the third round to the Carolina Panthers. Those are two teams that you know have starting quarterbacks, but neither of those quarterbacks feel like they are a lock to be their team's star. Side note, too, as well. If I'm at Trubisky, I'm a little bit salty right now, right? Because <laughs> I, I cited Pittsburgh really feeling like, I was going to be the starter. Then all of a sudden they spend a first round pick on a guy. And now my job is very much in jeopardy. Um, but looking at the Falcons and the Panthers, right? Two teams in the same division, their quarterback situations are certainly not settled. Um, which one of these guys you feel, feel like is more likely to start a game first? Is it Ritter or is it Corral? I think this is a great question because after Pickett, I think these are the next two in this class that we see start. I'm going to go with Desmond Ritter just because, he was drafted earlier. The Falcons had their pick of anyone but Pickett, uh, and, and they went with him. He's also, I think he has more experience. He was a four-year starter in college. That was the thing that uh, was was big for him. Plus, I think you could run a very similar offense with him and Mariota so, because they can both move uh, and scramble and add some yards with their legs. I'm not sold on either Donald or Mariota. I think this one could go either way, but I'm just going to go with Desmond Ritter. Um, who's the oldest looking 22 year old I've ever seen. <laughs> and I thought it was funny. He came, he's like, I'm not going to stop until I win a Super Bowl. And I'm like, that might not be up to you, but okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, some, some guys can play a long time and never win a Super Bowl. Never, never, never even get to a Super Bowl. So uh, I appreciate the, the optimism and the <laughs> ambition, um, but you're right. It's not completely in your hands. Uh, I would say the other thing sort of working in, Ritter's favor for me is that Corral is still kind of working his way back. He had that ankle injury uh, that he suffered in Ole Miss's bowl game. Um, and you know, I, I, I know he's rehabbing and he's sort of working and that sort of thing. And that's been great. But yeah, I just wonder whether or not he's going to be completely ready uh, right away at the start of the season. Also, this weird thing of the Panthers really working hard to convince us that they love Sam Darnold. Um you know, I don't know if they really, really mean that. I don't know if they're hyping him up to try and, you know, engineer a trade. Uh, I, I don't know. But they really, at every opportunity, keep trying to convince the general public and that they love Sam Darnold. I just had to Google Marcus Mariota's contract. It's about $7 million. Whereas Sam Darnold's making something like $15 million. Yeah. 
they had no draft picks this year because they gave him all the way to get him. They 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 took his fifth year option. I think they are much more as you know, they're not super tied into Sam Darnold, but I think they have a lot more on the line with him than the Falcons do with Mario. Mario. They are they're more pot committed to Sam Darnold <laughs> at this point. So maybe maybe that's why they're telling everybody that they love him because it's like we're stuck with him, so we might as well make the best of it. Uh, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Um, <laughs> Malik Willis. I mean, obviously, we were all hoping for fantasy purposes that he went somewhere where he would have a chance to to really compete for the starting job in his rookie year. I don't think that's going to happen in Tennessee. I mean, look, Ryan Tannehill at this point in his career, he's no one's franchise quarterback, but he is good enough where I don't see him losing that job you know short of like a devastating injury like this is going to be his gig and so for Tennessee they have the luxury of waiting a year or so to give the reins over to Malik Willis um that's great for them stinks for us but is there a chance we see Willis take over as a starter this year or are we really talking about you know 2023 and beyond I think more than likely we're talking about 2023 and beyond. They they do have an out in Tannehill's contract after this season, so they could easily make the move then. Um, I think the only way we see Willis outside of an injury, like you said, this year is if uh, the wheels kind of fall off for Tennessee. And that is very possible given how loaded the AFC is. Like it might be when the, the division or you're not making the playoffs for the Titans. So maybe if the, they fall a couple of games behind the Colts, like, we see him late in the year take over. And then I think once we see him start, I don't think there's any going back to Ryan Tannehill. So I'm saying the absolute earliest is the end of this season. But what what I'm concerned, like not for fantasy, he's not going to be fantasy relevant, but we saw packages with Lamar Jackson before he was brought on to be the starter. We saw them do that with Jalen Hurts at times, a little bit with Trey Lance last year. I just want to see plays where like Malik Willis and Derrick Henry are running the option together. That'd be great. I mean, it'd be terrifying for a defense, but it'd be great uh, <laughs> to watch. Um, yeah, I do think if if everything kind of goes sideways, then we see Willis maybe get on the field. But, I mean, you look at the division. Um, Indy, I think, is the only real challenger for, for the Titans in the AFC South. I mean, you know, the Jaguars, um, you know, they, they, they have a long way to go. Uh, the, the Texans, again, similarly, I mean, they had a lot of holes that they needed to fill. So they got a long way to go in terms of being competitive. So I think the Colts are the only real competition. I feel like as long as the Titans are in the division race uh, and have a chance to make the playoffs, and I think they're going to stick with Tannehill, which, you know, I can't I can't really fault them for that. So I think I think we're going to be waiting a little bit before we actually see Malik Willis uh, sort of take over this. You know what? Uh, Titans fans. You should go. Uh, you should go shake hands with 49er fans and see how they feel uh, about you know. Look, I'm not saying you're going to feel about Tannehill the way 49er fans feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, but sort of watch. You know, keep your eye on that space and see how the Niners handle it, and maybe the Titans can figure out a better solution than to go into what how, is this early May with two how quarterbacks. Many, how many days are we since Jimmy G threw a? Uh, oh, you know we've lost track. The, the, <laughs> the text messages have stopped. We we've we've given up. Uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, my friends are still hoping that something happens, but I think they've realized that, that counting the days has become futile. At this point. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, let's look at the running backs here because, you know, no surprise. We didn't see a whole lot of running backs go early. We didn't expect to. Um, but again, 
also no surprise, the first running back off the board uh, is Brees Hall. And he ends up going where we didn't really want him to go, that being to the New York Jets, because they have a running back that we like in Michael Carter. So who'd you rather, Brees Hall or Michael Carter, when it comes to redraft leagues? Yeah, this sucks for fantasy. (laughs) I've been very high on Michael Carter. I thought I was going to have him on a bunch of teams this year. I wanted Brees Hall on the Texans. That's who the Jets jumped to get him. Uh, I'm going to go with Brees Hall here, though. I don't think you trade up into the early second round to take a guy, uh, knowing that you already have Michael Carter on your roster, to make him be the backup. Like, I I think we're going to see a committee here. I don't think Michael Carter gets phased out either. But if I had to guess, I'm thinking it's something like 60-40 maybe where, where Brees Hall is. Uh, I think he's he's the bigger back. I think he'll get the goal line work. I think he'll get the early the, the bulk of the early down work. I think he'll still see some targets, but I would expect Michael Carter to get some more pass game usage. It, it's a situation where it's going to be frustrating for fantasy, but I still, I still think Brees Hall is more of an RB2 and Michael Carter more of like a flex guy. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. It just it it does stink uh, that now these guys are going to be sharing time. Uh, someone suggested to me that hey, maybe it's not a big a deal because Michael Carter was able to be successful in college. He was on the same team with Javante Williams, and both those guys were able to eat. And I was like, maybe. Um, but you know, when you also have the Jets going out and adding a guy like Garrett Wilson, that suggests they also want to throw the football quite a bit, and they want to try to help out their quarterback. So there may not be enough touches going around for both those guys to have a major fantasy impact. So you are talking about Hall, like you said, maybe as an RB2 and Carter as a flex option. Um, You know, I don't I don't know that this is going to be even like what we saw in Denver last year with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I'm not sure that 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 Hall and Carter can be that productive together um, just because I don't think this offense is going to be quite that good just yet. So. yeah, that's yeah. I wish it would have been different. I wish it would have been better. Uh, again, this is a move that feels a lot better for real football than it does for fantasy football. Uh, so we'll see how the Jets sort of make that thing happen. The next running back to go was Kenneth Walker. Uh, he ends up going with a ninth pick in the second round to the Seattle Seahawks, which is proof, in case you forgot, that Pete Carroll still wants to establish the run. Um, all signs had been pointing to Rashad Penny being the guy in Seattle this year. Chris Carson, who has been really good for the Seahawks, still dealing with that neck injury. And even though I know the folks in Seattle are trying to be optimistic, there is still a chance that Carson you know, doesn't play football again, or if he does, is really limited. Maybe we're waiting a while. So does the addition of Kenneth Walker kind of signal that maybe the Seahawks are a little more worried about Carson's neck injury than they're letting on. Does this mean maybe the end of Chris Carson in Seattle? I, I think so. And and that was my initial read on it as well. They have a post June 1st out, I believe in his contract. So we might not see it for a month, but this is a guy that had a, a severe neck injury. Like you said, uh, it, you know, it's bigger than football at that point. So you hope the best for him. But my viewpoint is, listen, They've already invested a lot of money into Rashad Penny. I know it was just a one-year deal, but Rashad Penny is one of the top 15 highest-paid running backs in football right now. So my read on this situation is still, as long as he's healthy, I think Rashad Penny is the lead back here. Even though in drafts, like the couple of drafts I've seen since the NFL draft, 
Walker's going first, so I, I, I think Penny is a value there. But if you're a team like Seattle that's clearly – Maybe they don't want to admit it, but if they're being honest with themselves, they're in a rebuild right now. Um, you don't take a second round running back to be your third string running back there. So to me, I think they realize probably done with Carson. I, I think they know already what his future is. And then Penny's been so hurt. So to me, it seems like a need thing rather than a let's take this guy to be depth here. So that. All indications to me is that Carson's probably done in Seattle. Yeah, I mean that's unfortunate too because he's a guy that I loved. I always, I always wondered why he didn't get more respect from from fantasy drafters. It was just, you know, he'd always kind of hang around that fourth round, fifth round. You draft him, and then he was always kind of a fringe RB one, you know, when he was healthy and on the field. But uh, you know, hopefully everything's okay with the neck and you know, whatever he does, whether it's football or not, he ends up living a, a healthy life. Uh, for the rest of this time. But this does kind of say to me that, you know, the, the Seahawks, they want to run the football. Uh, they also want some insurance for Rashad Penny. And I don't think they have supreme confidence uh, that Chris Carson can can be that guy, at least not in the very near future. Um, a couple other running backs that were drafted a little bit later. Damian Pierce goes second pick in the fourth round to the Houston Texans. Tyler Allgaier goes eighth pick in the fifth round to the Atlanta Falcons. Similar to what we talked about with the quarterbacks, right? Neither of those teams has what you would call a for sure locked in RB1, right? In Houston, uh, you're looking at some combination of Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack. In Atlanta, yes, you have Cordell Patterson, who was, was really good last year, but also sort of faded down the stretch. And you wonder, uh, you know, whether or not they're going to kind of ask him to continue to carry that same workload. They also, speaking of the Falcons, released Mike Davis. Uh, so that opens up a situation. So that, to me, begs the question, uh, who is more likely to become his respective team's RB1? Is it Pierce or is it Allgaier? I think it's Pierce because Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, I think, can can easily be beat out there. And I think if Pierce uh, shows what he's capable of, he will beat those guys out, I, I think, sooner rather than later. Whereas I think with the Falcons, like they need a second running back. We saw that last year. Patterson did run out of gas down the stretch, but I don't think they're going to completely get rid of Cordell Patterson. Like he's too dynamic, I would say, and, and was too good last year. And I think like he'll continue to see targets out of the backfield. So while I think there's a path to fantasy relevance for both of them, like I think of all the running backs outside of, you know, like Hall and Walker, these guys, you can make the case, landed in the best situations. But I just think Pierce, like, he has a chance where he could legitimately see, like, 250-plus touches this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Houston, as you mentioned earlier, that was the place that we were hoping that Brees Hall would go because it just felt like he'd be a slam dunk in that situation there. The, the Texans admittedly had a ton of needs. Um, so the fact that they waited maybe a little bit longer to, to get a running back, not a huge surprise there, but I do think that Pierce walks into a situation where he can compete right away. Uh, and even if he is not the starter in week one, uh, you know, as long as he is showing progress and, and can be productive, I think he starts to take over that job. Uh, you know, Rex Burkhead is always kind of a nice complimentary piece, but it always feels like we feels like we hear from Rex Burkhead late in the season after a team has either had a bunch of injuries. Or they just have guys who just aren't getting it done. Then it's like the Texans will turn to Rex and say, all right, we need you to kind of help carry us a little bit. And, you know, Marlon Mack, uh, again, sort of similar. Um, you know, he's a kind of a nice addition, but I don't think any team is, is going to lean on him to kind of be 
the workhorse uh, in that offense. Um, the 49ers drafted a running back. Uh, they take Ty Davis Price out of LSU uh, late in the third round. My first thought was that this has nothing to do with Eli Mitchell. Um, that it even has nothing to do with Trey Sermon, who really was just a ghost uh, for the Niners this past year. My thought was that this has to do with Debo Samuel and Debo saying that he doesn't want to be a running back this year. Um, you know, knowing that they've lost Raheem Mostert, uh, that they've lost some guys in that backfield, uh, that, you know what, let's bring in another running back. So hopefully this makes Debo happier, feeling like he can be more of a full-time wide receiver this year. I think that's kind of what this move was. But, I mean, Florio, you know, when the 49ers have multiple running backs, they all seem to get some time, and they all seem to have at least one or two games where they are fantasy-relevant. So I guess the question is, will Ty Davis Price end up being fantasy relevant by the end of the year at some point? I want to say I hope not because I want <laughs> Eli Mitchell to just stay healthy and be great all year long. But probably, I mean, he missed a bunch of time last year. They're not sold on Jermichael Hasty. They use basically identical draft capital on Davis Price as they did Trey Sermon. And no one is nearly as excited about him as they were Trey Sermon last year. But <laughs> Sermon couldn't see the field. So... Yeah, it's definitely any running back on the 49ers roster can easily become fantasy relevant because Kyle Shanahan's system is what you want. You don't necessarily want the individual running back. That's the thing. I mean, I feel like when people talk about changes to fantasy and people will say we should use like team running backs. I think it's because everybody's looking at the 49ers. And they're like, <laughs> you know what? It's just such a headache trying to figure out who it's going to be. Let's just have RB 49ers and let's just draft the system instead of the players. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should draft Ty Davis price. Um, I'm not even going to tell you that he needs to be like some sort of waiver wire darling, but I'm just telling you that at some point during the season, we will be on this show or maybe it's fantasy live, or maybe it's one of us writing a column where his name's going to appear because the Niners have somebody hurt or we just read a practice report that suggests he's getting more opportunity. Um, just you can mark it down at some point during the year. Ty Davis price is going to have some fantasy relevance. That's just how it is. Um, <laughs> all right. I guess this is the wide receiver position. Obviously this was a deep position. We could go on and on and on about it. I tried to just limit this to three questions because the show is already getting long. And uh, I know that folks have work and lives and stuff like that. Um, of all the guys, uh, obviously Drake London was the first wide receiver taken uh, in the NFL draft, but a whole lot of them went. Who should be the first rookie wide receiver drafted in fantasy? Drake London, and I don't <laughs> really think it's close. Like Garrett Wilson went to a team that has multiple other receivers who could take away targets from him, and Olave is now behind Michael Thomas. Jamison Williams is banged up right now, and, and he went to a team, let's face it, Jared Goff is Jared Goff. Um, <laughs> Drake London is going to get all the volume. Like him and Kyle Pitts, they should just, let's give both of them a 50% target share and everyone will be happy. Um, I, I think, though, he can easily be a wide receiver too this year. I think he could catch a bunch of touchdowns. He's got the size, the ability. He was, I know, both of our wide receiver ones, so I was happy to see him be the first receiver off the board. And I think he fell into a great landing spot where he's going to get peppered with targets from day one. I, I think that is it. I mean, I had been saying and I even made a TikTok about it, about who's going to catch the ball besides Kyle Pitts. Well, the answer to that, 
appears to be Drake London. Um, you know, so those two guys are going to get so many opportunities. I'm sitting here scrolling through the rest of the Falcons wide receiver core. And it's, I mean, it is a collection of castoffs from other teams, right? You got Demir Bird, you got Chad Hansen, Kaderil Hodge, Auden Tate, Olamide Zacchaeus. Um, I guess he's not a castoff. He's been in Atlanta. But the, the point remains that these aren't guys that you can lean on uh, to be the foundation of your passing game. Um, meanwhile, you got Pitts. We know what he can do. You've got Drake London. Uh, you, you, we know what we think he can do. So I think those guys get a ton of work. And at least when you talk about the quarterbacks, we hope Zach Wilson gets better this year. Um, we at least sort of know what we're working with with Marcus Mariota. We, we at least have an idea. We've seen that movie before. It's not the most exciting, but it's not terrible. And I think that at least gives me a, a slight more level of confidence in London uh, versus, say, what Garrett Wilson can do. Um, I mean, we kind of know what Jameis is, but as you mentioned, Michael Thomas has been such a target magnet. And look, Alvin Kamara, if he's there and healthy, uh, he's going to see a lot of targets too. So maybe that, that sort of takes a little bit away from Olave. So uh, yeah, I'm going to double down with you on, on Drake London there. Um, the Lions go out and they draft Jamison Williams, and he's the, the 12th pick overall. Um, obviously, he's still rehabbing an injury, so we're not even sure when we're going to see him on the field for the Lions. But I thought it was interesting because uh, not that long ago, uh, I and I, I, I can't remember who I was talking to this, uh, talking to about this, but um, – not long ago, I remember waking up and as I have a habit of a bad habit of is scrolling Twitter, like first thing in the morning. Stay. And I remember, yeah, I, I remember I woke up one morning and I'm scrolling uh, as I'm still laying in bed and my whole timeline is arguing about Amon Ross St. Brown. And I was like, you know, you know this when you wake up and check Twitter on the West Coast, like the rest of the world is very much already deep into the conversation. So we're still playing catch up. So I'm scrolling and I'm Googling and I'm like, did something happen? Uh, to Amon Ra, am I missing some what happened? And like, no, he just happened to be the main character on fantasy Twitter that day. <laughs> we we're just arguing about what his potential could be. And a lot of it was, you know, how are you going to feel about it when the Lions spend a first round pick on a wide receiver? Well, they did. I'm squarely in the camp of, you know me, I love Amon Ra St. Brown. I love what he could do. I was big on him, especially in that back half of the season when he really blew up. Um, I personally am not, super worried about him even now that Jamison Williams is there and not just because of the injury and that's going to take Williams some time to kind of get up to speed I just think he really helps that whole offense I mean I don't know how are you feeling I mean does does this have a major impact on St. Brown now that that Williams is there I, I'm on the other side of it. I think this is a good thing for St. Brown, and I'm I'm happy to see everyone panicking because <laughs> I, I was with you. I loved St. Brown last year in draft season, and I wrote about him basically every week in the waiver wire article. But I didn't love an early draft seeing people take him as like a wide receiver too. And, and to me, I was like, well, I loved the guy last year. I'm probably not going to have a lot of him this year. But now we're going to see his draft go down, and he's probably going to be a wide receiver three, and I'm fine paying that because – uh, Jamison Williams, I think, is a nice it, it complements Amon Ross St. Brown's skill set. Like, I think they're the perfect duo because Amon Ross St. Brown operates out of the slot closer to the line of scrimmage. Jamison Williams is one of the best field stretchers, the best field stretcher in this class, I would say. And that's clearly something the Lions were emphasizing. Like, 
Last year, late, they brought in Josh Reynolds. Oh, and that's when Amon Ross St. Brown started to break out. <laughs> then they said, all right, we need to emphasize that position. They The only big contract they gave out this year was to DJ Chark, who's a field-stretching wide receiver. And then they draft, like, so clearly this is something that the Lions have been emphasizing. And I think Jamison Williams, who looked miserable in his press conference, uh, I, I think, though, that he will be a good fit there with Amon Ross St. Brown for the future. I do too. I just, I, I, I'm not really worried about St. Brown and maybe you're right. Maybe this, this helps us because the ADP gets knocked down a little bit. Um, but I think what we saw, the fact that, that he can get open and that he earned Jared Goff's trust, um, you know, the, the comparison had always been that at least in terms of what he could mean for the offense, it would be a little bit of like what Cooper cup meant for Jared Goff all those years in Los Angeles, uh, again, I'm not saying that he's going to give you Cooper Cup numbers. He's not going to necessarily be a triple crown winner that has you know, bananas production. But in terms of, of what his value could be, I, I do see that. And I don't think that changes just because they added a DJ Chark or now that they've drafted Jamison Williams. So I'm not I'm not quite as worried about Amon Ra. And I'll be glad uh, for the ADP discount. Um, couple other names of note Christian Watson goes with the second pick in the second round to the Green Bay Packers I laughed because they let Marquise Valdez Marquez Valdez Scantling go uh, and they pretty much just uh, replaced him with an MVS clone essentially uh, by getting Christian Watson and uh, then you get Sky Moore who I know a lot of fantasy folks really loved uh, he goes later in the second round 22nd pick in the second round to the Kansas City Chiefs so you got two rookies coming in to, to situations where a lot of targets have been vacated, right? Devontae Adams leaves Green Bay. Tyreek Hill leaves Kansas City. So there are a lot of targets that are up for grabs. They've got two of the top-tier quarterbacks throwing with Aaron Rodgers with the Packers uh, and Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. So in terms of just potential opportunity for fantasy, you really couldn't ask for better. So uh, who you got, Christian Watson or Sky Moore? This is one that I keep going back and forth on. And uh, I like Sky Moore better as a prospect. I I love the landing spot. I thought Kansas City was like the ideal spot for him. But I keep going back to like Watson has the chance to be Aaron Rodgers' number one target this year. And it's like between him, Alan Lazard, and Sammy Watkins. So because of that, uh, because I don't think there's a chance that Sky Moore can be the Chiefs' top target. Like I think at best he's probably third behind Juju and I think Kelsey's number one. Uh, so because of that, I, I will go with Watson, but it's one of those things where like my, I'm going with Watson, but everything it like wants me to go Sky Moore. I keep wanting to go Sky Moore too. Um, you mentioned Juju is in Kansas City. MVS is also in Kansas City. And I think I, I think the Chiefs will sort of use them in combination to replace Tyreek Hill. Like, I don't, I don't think you can easily replace Tyreek with one player, but I think you can sort of use Juju uh, as kind of that slot guy to, to kind of work underneath, and you can use MVS as that field stretcher. And, you know, when their powers combine, uh, they can sort of be Tyreek Hill light. And I think that is the problem that Sky Moore has to overcome, at least in that first year. Um, you know, I think he gets on the field. I think he can get some some targets, but I don't know that he's going to be the guy. Whereas, as you mentioned, with Watson in Green Bay, um, you know, the competition doesn't feel quite as stiff, right? Maybe Alan Lazard ends up as the wide receiver one early in the season. Uh, but again, you're not going to replace Devontae Adams' production with just one guy. And I think Watson is much closer to the top of the wide receiver depth chart in Green Bay, then Sky Moore is going to be in Kansas City. So um, 
you know, also I, I keep coming back to the Chiefs have not done a really good job of drafting wide receivers in in their recent history. Uh, you know, I think they sort of fell into Tyreek Hill. Nobody expected Tyreek Hill to be the player he was. I mean, he was a later round draft pick who blossomed into one of the best receivers in the league, but I don't think anybody sort of saw that coming. Um, so their track record at the position has not been particularly great. Maybe it changes this year with more, uh, but there's just a lot more targets for Mahomes to get the football to. And so maybe that that's where he keeps his, his production a little bit depressed uh, in the first year. Um, so I capped it there. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty more wide receiver stuff we could talk about, and I'm sure there's plenty more that we will talk about between now uh, and, say, like August. Um, side note, I, 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 I'm, I'm in my first uh, dynasty rookie draft right now uh in fact i need to go and, and look and see where it is I'm we're in this that. one together oh, are we in this together are we in the same you know what that shows how much i pay attention to the other teams in the league like i'm just kind of like looking at myself same. and seeing uh, seeing what's happening um oh in fact i'm gonna be on the clock in just a couple of picks uh i took i was the third pick i took kenneth walker drake london went first breeze hall went second uh, i took kenneth walker uh to this point, only one quarterback off the board, and that's uh, that was Kenny Pickett uh, at the, the eighth spot. So, um, interesting. I was I was wondering where Malik Willis might go now that we know he's probably not going to be a starter in his first year, and uh, he's still very much on the board right now. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just throwing that in there. Get him um, in the second. He goes. Does he go? I think he will go in the second. Or has he gone yet? He has not. So he is not. If, I, he might I, fall to you. I don't think he's going to get out of the second round. I will I will go on record here on this podcast and say that if he's around in two more picks when I'm on the clock, I'm probably going to take Malik Willis. Uh, I, I was hoping he'd fall to me at seven, but I'd be cool with yeah. him. Uh, I will also say, so my quarterbacks in this league are Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, and Trey Lance. Um, drafting Malik Willis gives me like two real big upside quarterbacks with no real <laughs> with no real track record of production plus daniel jones um so, so it would very much be a crap shoot on my uh, on my dynasty roster if i end up drafting uh, malik willis in a couple of picks there uh all right so before we go want to look at some kind of superlatives from this uh winners losers that sort of thing so let's start uh, the biggest winner from draft from draft weekend it can be a rookie who just got selected it can be a veteran that's already on a roster uh but but who do you think ends up coming up big out of this weekend we, we spoke a lot about him already, but I think it's Jalen Hurts. Like, going into this draft, it was like the Eagles need another receiver, and they came away with who would have been the number one receiver in this class in A.J. Brown. So they got a, a top wide receiver there to pair up with their with their quarterback, who already had a number one wide receiver in one of the top tight ends. So I think Jalen Hurts' stock really rose. It was already very high, but I think it, it's even higher now. Uh, I'm going to go maybe outside the box with my winner for this one. I'm going to say Jared Goff. Uh, you know, we, we we just talked about all the emphasis that the Lions are placing on the wide receiver position, right? Or the pass catchers in general, right? I mean, they already have St. Brown. They have Hawkinson. We know DeAndre Swift can catch the ball out of the backfield. They go and they sign DJ Chark. They add Jamison Williams. They are really loading up. And, and maybe this is for a future that doesn't include Jared Goff necessarily. Uh, maybe they are sort of positioning themselves for – next year's draft or whatever when they go and try to maybe find a franchise quarterback but at least in the short term jerry goff is the guy who's there and he is the recipient of of all this love that the the lions are putting into their wide receiver position so i think he gets he gets a sneaky bump 
I'm not going to tell you that he's a QB one. I think he's still a QB two, but I think he's a QB two. You can have a little more confidence in, in, in two quarterback leagues, or if you're the kind of person who drafts a second quarterback, just to, uh, as sort of a backup as sort of, you know, just kind of insurance. Uh, I think Jerry Goff certainly, certainly has some, some more appeal than he did, uh, this time, say uh, a week ago, in a lot of fantasy leagues. Um, all right, so that's the winner. Uh, who was the guy who, who catches the biggest L, again, rookie or veteran, from what happened last weekend? Uh, rookie, I think it's Malik Willis, but uh, veteran, I think Michael Carter, sadly. He's someone that I thought could have saw 250 touches this year. I thought he had RB1 upside, and instead it's just so capped now by Brees Hall. I think his ceiling is probably being an RB2, and there's a chance, I think it's a small chance, but... There's a small chance like Michael Carter is not worth rostering if Brees Hall really runs away with the job. I don't expect that again, but I think uh, Carter definitely was one of the biggest losers this weekend. Yeah, that one that one definitely hurt, and he was very high on my list of, of the guys who, who catch a big L uh, with what happened. But the guy that I'm leaning with is Justin Fields. Um, yeah, I, I thought the Bears were going to go out and do something to really help that offense. Uh, and I didn't really see it. I mean, the first couple of picks uh, were safeties. They, they draft Valus Jones, who was a former USC guy who ends up transferring to Tennessee. But I think Jones's future is more as a special teamer and not necessarily uh, a guy who contributes on the offense. Uh, they did take a couple of offensive linemen, but that was you know day three of the draft. Um, I just I really thought this was a chance for them to go out and sort of build around a guy that. Yeah, I guess they believe that one point could be a franchise quarterback, but uh, you know, you look at that wide receiver room and it's it's Darnell Mooney, and then there's really nothing else to really get super excited about there. I mean, you know, I don't know if Daz Newsom becomes that guy that get Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown. There's just nobody there to really give Justin Fields some help. Um, I, I know, you know, our pal Adam Rank was trying to put a brave face on it on Twitter. Uh, I kind of, you know, gave him a little bit of a needling about that, but um, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. Like the, we, we were hoping that, that Justin Fields could take a step forward and maybe he does, but um, they didn't really give him any pieces to help him out at all. Um, Everything they're doing points to them, like having a hard reset, like they're not, in, it doesn't seem like they're interested in all at, at developing fields right now. It's about getting, you know, two, three that years down the road and potentially taking their own quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they've, they've had a change they've had in the front office there. So maybe that's what this is. This is setting up for just a, a complete reboot of that offense uh, in the next year or two. Uh, who will be the top scoring rookie in 2022? We spoke a lot about him already, but I think it's Drake London. He could be used downfield in the red zone. Uh, I think volume is the biggest ingredient for year one success, and I don't think anyone walked into a better spot for volume than Drake London. Yeah, I think this is, this feels pretty easy because he's just he's in a situation where he's going to get plenty of opportunity. Um, so I I think I think he's an easy call for the top scoring rookie. Uh, I was going to ask top scoring quarterback. I guess it's Kenny Pickett, just sort of by default. Not that. Not that it's necessarily a guy that you're drafting or excited about, but I don't know any any chance it's not Kenny Pickett as the top scoring fantasy rookie quarterback. I think to be honest, Desmond Ritter is a dark horse there because I wouldn't mm. be surprised if he starts early in the year and could add some more points with his legs. But I, I still think Kenny Pickett is the heavy heavy favorite to lead that. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm going there too. Uh, all right, last one. Uh, who is a rookie sleeper for uh, 2022? 
I, I was all set to say Damian Pierce, um, but I feel like some people are already taking notice of him. So I'll go a little bit deeper. I think Calvin Austin, he's a, uh, he's so explosive. He's got speed for days. He was someone that I was excited uh, to see where he lands. And he fell to Pittsburgh, who I know have other receivers, but there's a need for their slot guy. And, and I think Austin could maybe step in and fill that void right away. And if that's the case, I, I think he can uh, he can be more productive than some people might think. I'm going to go I'm going to go kind of deep here. This might be a deep, deep sleeper. Um, and I'm going to sort of take a page out of uh, Lance Zerline's book. Romeo Dubs uh, from Nevada Ooh. is the, uh, the guy the Packers got in the fourth round. And, and uh, I know Lance has said he thinks Dubs could be even better for the Packers than, than Christian Watson could be. Um, you know, I feel like Watson has, again, I think he's sort of MVS, which means he has boomer bust potential. He's a good best ball option. So maybe dubs has more of a kind of a well-rounded game. So I'm going to, I'm going to say a guy who has an opportunity potentially to get on the field and could be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. feels like there's some, some sleeper potential there uh, for him in green Bay. Uh, that was a lot. <laughs> we went through a lot. We went through a lot, and I feel like we didn't get through like half of it even at this point. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with the draft. <laughs> so uh, we'll obviously be talking more about this uh, as the weeks go on. Uh, maybe even try to get Lance Zerline on. I know that uh, you know he's a guy who does a lot. I know Lance every year writes about 500 profiles, which is a lot. Don't get me wrong, but after we talked to Emory, Emory Hunt, and like the insane number of profiles that Emory writes, I'm like 500, whatever. Um, I, I imagine like Lance and Emery, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, like they all are like the Jimmy Butler gif at the after the end of the draft. Oh, yeah. you know, the one where he's just like can't even just stand, hang like... over the rail. <laughs> I just imagine that's all of them. Yeah. You know, it's funny. What I would love, and maybe we'll ask Lance too, what kind of what his process is. Like I know for DJ, uh, a lot of what he does is he watches film. But in the background, he's listening to like 90s R&B music. Like that's his that's his thing. Like and I'm like, I feel like everybody who does that has to have their whether it's a certain kind of music they listen to or if they're like, you know, eating something or drinking something uh, like I want to know what is your process for scouting. So uh, maybe if we get Lance on, we can ask him that, too, as well. So. Uh, all right. That's it, man. Uh, happy Star Wars Day again. Go, uh, you know, I don't know, watch Clone Wars or one of the prequels or, you know, I don't know, rewatch Empire Strikes Back if that's what makes you happy. Do whatever. Uh, maybe maybe whatever. Rogue One. Maybe Rogue One. Or just, you know, you put the Kenobi trailer on loop. That came out today, too. So you can uh, you just <laughs> I gotta have check that, that out. Yeah, go check it out. Go have that on loop. Oh, uh, over and over. I, I know this podcast is super long, but I do. Have you been watching Better Call Saul? Uh, yeah, so I caught up. Uh, I watched uh, I watched the Monday's episode last night same um, it's like you you knew this was coming like you knew you, you knew that jimmy mcgill was going to morph into saul goodman uh but it's no less heartbreaking sort of watching it happen um it it's so cool <laughs> yeah like uh, spoiler alert i guess but it's so cool like like the mic and kim like when when kim was walking out of the restaurant i was like that that's mike and the and like yep. That, that interaction, like seeing the whole story come together, it's so cool. It's so cool. And I will say that this this last episode uh, was great. It was one of the best of the series, the entire series. I think it was one of the, easily the best, uh, easily the best of this season, one of the best of the entire series. So The entire episode, I'm just feeling like something terrible is going to happen. Yep. And because it didn't, now I'm just like, <laughs> I know next so, week something terrible. So is now you have happen. that tension going into next week, too, because something terrible eventually is going to happen and they're making us wait for it. 
even the episode before last night's or two night whatever it was yeah it was like was so good like with nacho oh yeah so uh good. which by the way t- shout out to uh tom schnauz who's one of the writers of that show and also i know a fan uh of fantasy live so uh you know tom if you want to you know slide in the dms and give me like a spoiler on what happens uh, i promise i won't share it over the air but i just want to know for my own personal benefit so oh i don't like spoilers i want to i want to be shocked while i'm watching if you want to know that uh you know if you want to drop that in there i'll be i'll be grateful to to find out i know it's not gonna happen happen, but you know i can ask anyway all right uh enough of us babbling that'll do it for this edition of the nfl fantasy football podcast stay happy safe and healthy do good and live well Enjoy Star Wars Day and Better Call Saul and anything else you're out there watching. And we will talk to you next week.